You're listening to the Savannah Zombie Podcast, the podcast of author Josh Vasquez. That's me. This is a podcast where I talk about all kinds of things, zombies, books, writing, movies, just a little bit of everything. Um, hey, y'all. What's up? It's Black Friday. Um, so today's episode is I'm going to be reading some of my short story, North Pole Zombies. Uh, so you can listen to me read the first two chapters. It's not like audiobook quality. Um, I do mess up a few times and have to restart, which is, you know, kind of embarrassing because, you know, I wrote it. So that's a little weird. But yeah, anyways, just me reading uh, first two chapters. If you like it, you can go and uh, download the ebook now. I'm doing a free promotion for Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, all of those things because somehow I apply to all of them. I'm selling stuff. I'm technically a small business because it's just me. And then you got you got Cyber Monday. It's an ebook. It's digital. It's the future, y'all. So you can download that for your Kindle, um, or if you have the Kindle app on your on your iPhone or your Android or your iPad or your 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 tablet, whatever. You can even read it on the computer if that's the thing you want to do. You can do that. Um, but yeah, it's free for the next couple of days. Um, so if you like listening to the audiobook. Um, you can go grab the book. It's for free. Um, and that's it. Um, one more thing and, uh, we'll get into the, uh, get into the, uh, the reading of North Pole Zombies. Dead Pixel Pictures. We are launching our first Ono Zombie short tonight, nine o'clock. So go to Dead Pixel Pictures on YouTube, hit that notification, little dingy, little bell thing, um, subscribe. And it's set up to, it's gonna premiere at nine o'clock. So we're all gonna jump on there and watch it. It was a lot of fun uh, doing the first one and putting it together and stuff like that. So pretty excited about it. Um, But yeah, that's it. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Have a good one. Talk to you later. North Pole Zombies Chapter 1 Black Friday They stand packed into a tight space, bodies bumping into each other, and the air thick with hot breathing. Murmurs fill the area as the time grows close. The collected hum of quiet voices sound like the white noise that blares from a television set when the signal is lost. It is the sound of strategies being quietly discussed in whispers, lest someone else steal the long thought out attack plans. It is Black Friday and the mall will be opening in stores soon. Nicholas Klaus stands amongst the horde of shoppers, going completely unnoticed, although people would not recognize him anyway. He stands tall above most of the crowd, his large frame more akin to a lumberjack or a professional football player than the old rotund jolly man he is normally portrayed as in commercials and season's greetings cards. He smiles to himself as he thought of that image. What people would think if they really knew what Santa Claus really looked like. His hair and beard were not as snowy white, but salt and peppered. He is hardly rotund. He has a body fat ratio of nearly nothing. His flannel shirt and wool coat fit tightly against his muscular chest and arms. He notices the stares he receives 
from a few of the women in the crowd, but nothing but makes nothing of the flirtatious looks. Mrs. Klaus is more than enough for him back home. Where the image of Santa Claus comes from, he has no idea. Some corporate marketing ploy, but it isn't something he is against. It helps him continue to do his job in secrecy. No one expects a man who looks to be in his late thirties to be a jolly old Saint Nick. He is old. However, he did not feel it, another part of the magic that keeps him looking youthful. For hundreds of years he has played the part of the bringer of gifts on Christmas Eve. And while he enjoyed the pictures of him kneeling in front of the Christ child, he is not that old, despite how much he wishes he could have been there to see it in person. A woman bumps into him as she makes her way closer to the metal gates separating the crowd from the insides of the mall. She grunts an apology, or at least Nick accepts it as an apology. She scurries away and he sees her no more. He turns to his left to see a woman staring at him with her lip curled. Her eyes wander up and down him, finally coming to rest on his own. Nick notices the wedding band on her hand that holds her pumpkin spice latte. She smiles and saunters over to him. Hi, she says. Her eyes run up and down him again. Hello, miss. Nick answers back. Gotta love the Christmas spirit, right? Sure. Whatever. I'm here to get new jackets for my snot-nosed kid and some electric doodad for my husband. I'd love to be anywhere else. Nick smiles. The things we do for our family, he offers with a shrug. She holds up her latte cup. This isn't all pumpkin spice, if you know what I mean, she says, taking a hearty gulp of her spiked beverage. Her eyes wander south again. I'll tell you what, she says, running her finger down his arm. I'll blow off getting them what they want for Christmas, and maybe we can go find a dressing room and look for some mistletoe. Nick holds up his left hand. Her eyes flash quickly to the aged gold band on his ring finger. Sorry, miss. Happily married. She holds up her gouty princess cut. Me too, she says, with a coy wink. Nick frowns. I'm sorry, Veronica, but you're going on the naughty list. Naughty list? Oh, I like the way that sounds. Wait. How did you know my name? I never told you my name. Nick prepares to use his magic to hide himself, but doesn't have to when the creaking of the metal gates breaks through the crowd. The mass of people rushing into the mall push Veronica in with them. Her eyes, wide with shock, try their best to stay on Nick, but she loses sight of him as she is carried away in the flow of bodies. Nick pulls his pad of paper out of his jacket's inside pocket. He flips to the naughty section and writes down, Veronica. He closes it and puts the notepad back into his pocket. All around him, people are pushing and shoving their way into the mall. He sees a young woman pushed to the ground and no one stops to help her. He can hear her crying, but no one seems to care. Nick rushes to her aid and uses magic to shield them from the stampede. People flow around them as if they were a boulder in a white water rapids. She looks up at him. Her mascara is smeared down her face. Thank, thank you, thank you, she mumbles, hanging her head again. He lifts up her face by the chin. Not a problem, he says. Glad I could help. She looks toward the open doorway, the last few people from the eager crowd making their way into the mall. She begins to cry again. No, 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 now I'll never get it, she says. Get what? Nick asks. The toy my Emily wanted. The Princess Dottie's makeup party playset. Ever since her daddy left us, it has been all she has talked about. I just wanted her to have this one thing. Divorce has been so hard on her, on 
both of us. Nick's heart softens. He knows it has been a hard year for the both of them. Jane has been working overtime in order to keep the bills paid and putting on a strong face for Emily through the divorce. But Jane did not know what would. But Jane did not know what that was. But what Jane did not know was that what Emily wants more than any toy was more time with her mommy. The Princess Dottie's makeup party playset is just Emily's way of spending more time with Jane. I'll tell you what, Nick says, as he pulls her to her feet. I know the manager of the toy store. Let me make a phone call. I'll have him hold one for you. That's impossible. I did my research. The store only had a few in stock. That's why I got here so early and came here to the department store. I figured I'd have a better chance here than at the mall's main entrances. Turns out, I was wrong. Nick laughs heartily. He does his best to keep it from sounding like ho, ho, ho. But there is a reason everyone believes Santa laughs the way he does. It's simply because he does. Nothing is impossible for Santa Claus, he says. Before Jane can answer, Nick is on his phone. Hey, it's Nick. I need a favor. I need you to hold a Princess Dottie's makeup party playset for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll send a young woman to pick it up. Her name is... Jane. She says, her eyes filled with wonder. Her name is Jane. She will be there shortly. Thanks, Rico. Nick hangs up the phone and puts it back into his pocket. It'll be waiting for you at the store. Emily will be very happy. How, how did you do that, she asks. Nick smiles. Me and Rico go way back. Oh, he'll ask you for the password, though. It's a little thing we came up with. What's the password? I still believe in Santa Claus. And with that, Jane never saw Nick again. Jane walks into the toy store. It is utter chaos. Boxes are everywhere. Employees struggle to keep order. People are fighting over toys. A man at the counter locks eyes with Jane. Hey you, come over here. Jane walks over to the counter. Are you Jane? The man asks, annoyed by the pandemonium. Yes, are, are you Rico? He, he laughs. No, but the guy was just here. You just missed him, in fact. She doesn't know what to say. So, you gonna say the password or what, lady? Um, I still believe in Santa Claus? The man shakes his head, reaches under the counter, and pulls out a large bag. You must, cause lady, these things were the first toy to go tonight. We only had five of them in stock. Five! Can you believe that? They only stocked us with five for the biggest shopping event of the year. How your friend got his hands on this one? That, I'd like to know. He holds her the bag. She looks inside to see one Princess Dottie's makeup party playset with a note stuck on the box. It reads, Jane, I'm glad you still believe in Santa Claus. Your friend, Nicholas Klaus. Jane looks up from the note, her eyes watering with tears. The guy behind the counter shrugs and begins yelling at some fighting customers. Jane holds the bag tightly against her chest. I do believe, she whispers. Chapter 2. Trouble at Home How was it this year? Nicholas collapsed into his easy chair. The chair is worn, much like its owner, and it gladly accepts him with a squeak. 
His wife, Mrs. Klaus, standing in the kitchen doorway, a large green bowl positioned on her hip. She was baking cookies. She was always making cookies. They were, of course, Nicholas's favorite. Worse than last year, he says, his voice tired. She frowns and sets the cookie batter down on the kitchen counter. The wooden spoon continues to stir the batter on its own. She comes over to kneel in front of her husband and begins to gently remove his boots. Worse than last year? Is that even possible? she asks. I'm afraid so. Seems that the only thing people care about nowadays is themselves. Even in buying gifts for others, it's not for the person receiving the gift, but more for the pride of the gift giver. They have it all backwards. Mrs. Claus sets her husband's boots to the side. She slips off his woolen socks and begins to rub his feet. He can't help but smile at her. She was far too good a woman for him, and the fact that he had nearly spent the last half-century with her, he considers himself a lucky man. He could not have pictured living his life with anyone else. She was good, loving, and dependable. She was such an integral part of the whole operation. He didn't know what he and the elves would do without her. I don't know why you do it to yourself. Why do you go down there? He can see in her eyes that she doesn't question his decision to go south, but she is simply concerned for her husband's well-being. I don't know, love, he sighs. I guess there's just that part of me that hopes that people will change and remember the reason for the season. Mrs. Klaus leans forward and puts her husband's face in her hands. You are a good man, Nicholas. Nick blushes at his wife's compliment. She always knows how to fill him up when he feels empty and drained. There was one woman, though, he says. She was just trying to get a gift for her daughter and almost got trampled to death. I had Rico pull the old toy reservation trick. To my knowledge, it worked, although I would have liked to have seen her face when she saw the two cruise tickets for her and her daughter. And when she goes to ask her boss for the time off, and well, I'll be taken care of. Well, you have been busy, haven't you? Mrs. Claus playfully asks, catching the twinkle in her husband's eye. I try. I know you do, she says, as she stands and walks behind him. She begins to rub his shoulders. Why don't you go take a bath and relax, dear? she asks, but it is less of a question and more of a request. There's work to be done, he argues, but her fingers press deep into the muscles of his shoulders. His muscles melt like butter in her hands. You can work tomorrow. Rico and the elves have everything under control. You go rest. That's an order. Yes, ma'am, he says, leaning back to look up at his wife. She smiles and leans in to kiss him on the forehead. Nicholas gently pushes his wife's lips closer to his. And maybe shave while you're up there, she giggles. Your whiskers are starting to get long. Nick lets out several hoes and stands up. I was thinking of letting it grow out. Maybe let it get long and snowy like the pictures, he jokes. Not in my house, she answers. Nick smiles at his wife and nods. She points up towards the bath and he doesn't put up a fight. Nicholas Klaus soaks in a peppermint-scented bath water. Even after twenty minutes, steam could still be seen rising from the bubbles. He has his eyes closed when he hears the door creak open. Decide to join me? Nick asks. Uh, no, sir. I don't think that would be healthy for our relationship. Nick opens his eyes to see Rico the elf standing in the doorway with the ever-present clipboard. 
Rico, I'm sorry I thought you were Mrs. Claus, Nick chokes out through several hearty laughs. No, sir, my apologies. I should have knocked and announced myself, Rico says, trying to avoid eye contact with the naked man in the tub. Nonsense, it's all good. If you give me a minute, I'll throw a robe on and we can talk. No need, sir. It's nothing that important. It'll only take a few minutes. I just need to bring something to your... Uh, your attention, Rico says, his voice uneven, timid. Nick looks at his old best friend. The elf has been in Klaus's service for several hundred years now. Elves age at a rate consistent with the magic put on Klaus and his wife, which makes sense seeing that the spell was elven magic. Rico is the equivalent of a 20-something in human years. He was just a boy when he first started working for Nicholas and quickly became the man's favorite. He is normally playful and enjoys a good practical joke, like the toy reservation trick at the mall. And this is why Nicholas is worried. Rico seems on edge about something. What, what is it, Rico? Nick asks. Well, um, it seems that some of the elves have gotten some sort of illness. Dr. Fink and I have looked through the medical records, and we cannot match the symptoms to any known elven disease. Nick notices the worry in Rico's eyes. What are the symptoms? Rico's eyes fall to the floor again. High fever, but no sweating, darkened eye sockets, and pupil dilation, dehydration. He trails off. Nick wishes he had put a robe on. Sounds like pretty standard flu symptoms to me, Nick says. That's not all. What else, Rico? Rico takes a big gulp for a small person. They, um, have taken to mumbling nonsense. Fink and I cannot make out what they're saying. It is of no elven or human dialect. Several have started to have muscle spasms, while others slip in and out of a catatonic state. Things are real bad, sir. Nick slowly nods, taking it all in. He hates that his first thought was production. That isn't fair to the elves. He pushes that thought away. Rico, this is serious enough for me to get my robe. Give me a minute, I'll meet you in the hallway. Yes, sir. Rico says before scurrying out of the bathroom. Nick stands up and turns on the shower head, rinsing off all the suds. This is not good. We'll have to try and quarantine the sick ones from the rest of the group. The fact that Fink and Rico have no idea what this sickness is worries me. Maybe he has found something by found something out by now. Nick thinks. Nicholas finishes washing off and quickly throws on some clothes. This was more serious than just a robe. He meets Rico out in the hallway. Let's go see Dr. Fink, Rico, he says, the small elf nodding in agreement. Dr. Fink is the town doctor. He is well studied in elven medicine and knows enough of human care to keep Mr. and Mrs. Klaus from falling under the weather. Fink is also the elves' historian. He knows their history in and out, almost as well as he knows their anatomy. If there is someone who can figure out what is going on, it's Fink. I'm sorry, sir. I have no idea what's going on. Nicholas's Klaus heart sank. Fink had just finished explaining the symptoms were only getting worse. And more were now infected with a strange elf sickness. 
He had already taken the liberty of quarantining the sick ones, and even further separating the extreme cases. I am also afraid to inform to you that we have had our first fatality, Dr. Fink says, as he pushes his glasses back up his nose. No. Who? Nick asks. Jimmy Goobers, about ten minutes before you walked in. Aw, oh, Gorp, Rico curses. Jimmy Goobers? I just talked to that guy yesterday. We were going to mess with the polar bears after work tomorrow. Nicholas rubs his stubble, thinking about what to do next. Is there a patient zero, he asks. I'm sure there is, but so many began showing symptoms at the same time, it's so hard to tell. And no one has progressed in the same way. It's almost as if the disease attacks individuals at different rates. There is no common thread except that any treating has gone unaffected. As of right now, there is nothing we can do. The words hang heavy in the air, but are quickly interrupted when a nurse runs up to them. Doctor, another one, quick! Fink nods at Claus and turns to run into the direction the nurse came from, leaving Nick and Rico standing there in even more confusion. You should probably get some kind of respirator if you're going to be in here, Rico, Klaus says. Actually, I think I'm going to leave, the elf says. Are you feeling okay, Nick asks, his voice concerned. Yeah, and I'd like to keep it that way, Rico responds with a sheepish grin. Nick nods emotions for the door. Clear! They hear Dr. Fink yell from a far room. Clear! They hear only silence next. Another one, Nick thinks. What on earth is going on? They see Fink emerge from the doorway, shaking his head. By the next morning, fifty are dead. No one else had yet to contract signs of the illness, a dull silver lining to a very dark cloud. The streets are empty and the town quiet. Klaus insisted that everyone stay home today. Plans for a mass funeral are being made, as for now the bodies are being kept in the old reindeer stable. Nicholas and Mrs. Klaus watch from their bedroom window as Dr. Fink, Rico, and several other elves cart the last few bodies into the storehouse. They are all dressed in protective clothing and have on respirator masks. All precautions are being made to keep the disease from spreading. Do you think any more will get sick? Mrs. Klaus' voice breaks the stiff silence. I don't know. I hope not. Nick answers, his own voice distant. In all their time with working with the elves, this was the worst outbreak of illness they had ever seen. The only comparable instance would be when Nick accidentally brought home human chickenpox and it spread to the elf population. The human form of chickenpox reacts differently than the elven version. Rather than causing a breakout of the skin, it causes elves to act like chickens. It was a very strange week at the North Pole. But it was still no comparison to what contagion raged of the elves in the past 24 hours. With the prolonged lifespan of the elves, funerals were rare, and when they did occur, they were always more of a home-going celebration, not mourning. There was little to celebrate now. Are you worried about Christmas? Mrs. Klaus asks. Of course I am. I'm the bringer of gifts. It's my job to worry about Christmas. Nick responds softly. But I am even more worried about the elves. I cannot imagine what they're going through right now. He pauses. 
could have wiped them all out. We didn't have Fink and might have. Mrs. Klaus wraps her arm around her husband's waist and leans her head on his shoulder. He kisses her on the head and looks back out the window. Rico and the other elves exit the barn, their heads all hanging low. Dr. Fink is the last to exit. While the others walk away, Fink turns back to the door, and Nick watches in confusion as the doctor runs a chain through the door's handles and locks it with a padlock. When asked about the chain, Dr. Fink explains that it was just another precaution. He didn't want any wild animals to get in there and disturb the bodies, or worse, continue to spread the disease. Better to be safe than sorry, sir, he tells Nick before scurrying off to his lab. Nick thinks it over on his way to the new reindeer barn. He wants to stop by and check on the reindeer. It was a normal part of his daily routine, but due to the events of the day before, he missed his check-in. Reindeer were very punctual animals, one of the reasons he chose them to pull the sleigh, and more than likely they were perturbed with his absence. He passes by the old barn, the chain still intact. Sir! Nicholas turns to see Rico running up behind him. Rico, what's up? Rico runs up to Klaus and tries to catch his breath before speaking. Going to see the reindeer? Can I come? Rico asks once he regains his composure. Of course. Good, Rico says, glancing back at the village. I needed to get out of there for a while. It's too quiet. Klaus nods. How is everyone doing? He asks. Um, okay, I guess. Sad, mostly. Glad to be alive, but feeling bad for feeling that way. They shouldn't, Nick says. It was a very close call for everyone. Yeah, I guess, Rico trails off. They reach the reindeer barn and immediately Klaus knows something is wrong. He opens the door and a horrible, musty stench comes rolling out to the cold evening air. He looks at Rico, who is holding his nose, and steps inside the barn. It is dark. The lights are out. In the darkness, there is a faint crunching noise and a sickening, wet, tearing sound, followed by more crunching. Hello? Reindeer? Nick calls out. The crunching stops. There is a shuffling somewhere in the darkness. Nick edges closer to the stalls, the smell getting worse with each step. Each stall is empty. Where are all the reindeer, he wonders. A cold draft blows through the stable. It carries the stink with it, causing Nick's eyes to water. He reaches the last stall and looks in. What the... Hunched over the remains of one of the reindeer is an elf. Nick is unable to tell which of the reindeer it is. The corpse is unrecognizable. The elf turns to look at the newcomers. Its eyes are sunken in and the pupils black as the arctic night sky. Gore drips from its mouth. Small bubbles of foam collect around the lips. Its skin is pale, bloodless. Oh, Gorp, is that Jimmy Goobers? Rico yells, his fingers still clamped over his nose. Jimmy, what's wrong with you, man? Why, why'd you do that? Jimmy Goobers turns his dead eyes to Rico and moans. He slowly rises to his feet and begins to stumble in Nick and Rico's direction. Rico, get back, Nick warns. What's wrong with him, boss? I thought he was dead, Rico says. Nick studies Jimmy Goobers. His movements are slow, unsure. There was no way Dr. Fink could have been wrong with his diagnosis. He was too experienced for that. There is no mistaking it. 
Jimmy Goobers is dead. Nick grabs a hay fork from beside the stall. Jimmy Goobers is not only dead, he is undead. He's a zombie, Nick thinks. Jimmy doesn't stop advancing. Black drool drips from his loose jaw, collecting in small puddles on the ground. Nick steadies himself and sticks out the hay fork. He levels the forks with Jimmy's chest. Jimmy doesn't seem to be bothered by the sight of the sharp points. Well, what are you doing? Jim Jimmy, stop, man, Rico yells. Goobers ignores Rico's pleas and walks into the fork's ends, the tip sinking into his chest. Rico stares in horror as Jimmy Goobers continues to push himself into the hay fork. He never once flinches or seems to register the pain. Oh, gorp, oh, gorp, oh, gorp, Rico mumbles under his breath. Jimmy Goobers, Jimmy Goobers stops when the forks reach their end at the hilt of the pitchfork. He growls and reaches his arms out, his broken fingertips grasping for any hold of Nick, who is standing there with his mouth hanging wide open. The forks begin to tear into Jimmy Goobers' chests, his constant squirming causing them to bore out nickel-sized holes. Dark black blood oozes slowly from the wounds like maple syrup. There is no possible way Jimmy Goobers is still alive. Nick pushes the small elf back toward the wall. He is surprised by the strength of the dead elf. The forks reach the wooden wall and Nick pins Goobers against the service. How is he still alive? Rico asks. He's not, Nick says, studying the writhing Goobers. He's, he's not? Rico echoes. Nick could, Nick could not believe it. Goobers was a zombie. He's, he's dead, Rico. He's a zombie. Nick says slowly, letting it sink into his own mind. He's a who's a whatcha? Rico asks. A zombie. The dead come back to life. Nick could tell by Rico's face that he did not understand. The elves were a jolly people and had no affinity for horror movies. Nick opens his mouth to try and further explain to Rico what is happening. But Goobers quickly yanks himself backwards off the pitchfork. He tears himself free from the ends of the forks, tearing chest meat as he wriggles free. Dark red blood oozes from the chest wounds as the dead elf steadies himself. Its dead eyes are set on Nicholas. The thing moans and lurches forward again without much hesitation. And to Rico's surprise, Nick jabs the forks into Jimmy Goober's face. The curved ends slide in easily, the points erupting from the back of Goober's skull. Rico throws up. Nick cannot wrap his head around what was happening. What in the world is going on? How is this all possible? His mind races, but it doesn't take long to realize that this was the sickness that had overcome the elves. This is what they had been dealing with the past 24 hours. And this is what the 49 other elves had died from. The ones locked in the old reindeer barn. Rico groans and wipes his mouth with his sleeve. Uh, he moans. I, I don't understand, sir. Nick looks at the elf. We need to find Fink, and fast. No one has seen Dr. Fink in the past few hours. Sir, you don't, you don't think, Rico stammers, you don't think he went to the barn, do you? Only one way to find out, Rico, Nick says. Oh, Gorp, Rico sighs. I was afraid you were going to say that. Rico, we'll need to stop by the house real quick first. I need to get some things.